what happened to the poor priest was quite curious. Even years after coming to our aid, we know he still deals with the consequences. As you've likely gathered from our experience, the brunt of what we endured did not directly affect the father. And in those days before returning to Guanajuato, he even had time to run some errands around town and wait for an acquaintance to pass through so they could travel back together. And so they did. But it was as if everything then came crashing down on him all at once. Several days later, all the exhaustion, stress, and fear that must have accumulated over time. When they turned onto the highway, night fell, and the priest dozed off. He said that in his dream, he could hear screams. Screams of women flying above the trees alongside the car, convulsing as if in agony. He awoke panicked, and they had to pull over for him to stumble out and vomit something dark and thick by the roadside. His travel companion grew worried. This isn't normal, father. But the priest knew he was merely beginning to pay the toll for his recent encounter. It would not easily release its grip on him. Days later, back in town, he happened to chat with a man in the general store who was from that neighboring village that the priest and my grandmother had traveled to for an exorcism years prior. There the two were considered legends of a sort, though later priests resented and discounted their supposed heroics. Heard what happened back home, father? said the local mockingly. The witches had themselves a feast up in the old cemetery digging up graves, hauling out bones, mostly ancient corpses, you know. The priest was aware the small home at the center of everything had sat abandoned for years. That entire hill deserted, not a soul daring to tread near that boneyard anymore. The remaining dead there bereft now of their living. What witches? asked the priest thought folks had stopped believing in such primitive superstitions. Well, yes, father. So did we townsfolk. But one night, screams echoed down from that cursed place. Strange lights filled the skies as if great bonfires leapt among the clouds. And a group of our women suddenly burst naked from their homes and raced up the hill in a frenzy. Turns out, we had quite the crop of dormant hags lurking among us after all. Why, even my dear cousin Lupita, father, seemed the model of Catholic piety, joined their devilish coven. The priest later verified with authorities that disappearances had indeed been reported, though the investigations remained ongoing. Clearly something sinister had stirred. What a shame he no longer had resources to look into the matter himself. That would fall to whoever held his former position. He figured the new priest was likely dismissive of such primitive beliefs and would leave the situation unaddressed. At times, the father even managed to forget the whole affair. Until a few weeks later, the banging of an open door in the wind awoke him before dawn. Rising to shut it, 
He realized the inside latch inexplicably now hung open without any sign of tampering, as if someone on the other side, within the rectory, had released it. But there was no one else there with him to have done such a thing. He resecured it, returning to bed before the loud banging sounded again. The door had worked itself open once more. This occurred again several nights a week. An unlocked window or door leading to his private rooms were left ajar and he would find a wake of chaos within. Papers and books scattered as if a cyclone had swept through. One such night, while investigating the persistent noises, he distinctly made out muffled voices drifting from the far end of the hall, from the church itself. Approaching the closed doors, they turned into a soft droning of Hail Marys. Throwing the doors open, he was met with an abrupt silence and darkness. He sparked a candle nearby, and what he saw left him unsettled to this day. Inside, gathered along the shadowy pews, sat at least ten deeply shrouded women. They fell deathly quiet as he entered, yet all seeming to stare back at him from under their hoods. He considered commencing a prayer, but hearing them already engaged in what seemed a profane mockery of the act, he thought better of it. Closing the door on them, he retreated to his room to earnestly beseech the Lord alone, only to thereafter find these visitations a nightly occurrence, their tone increasingly more vitriolic in recitation, implying the futility of his efforts. He often thought of retrieving the crucifix, the only means of driving them off. But realizing this persistent suggestion dominated his thoughts, it slowly dawned on him. This had been their aim all along. The appearances continued, albeit sporadically, but the father managed to temper them somewhat over time by convincing himself that they bring only spiritual, not bodily harm. As I've mentioned before, this ordeal also destroyed my brother's long-term relationship, though we still cherish his ex-girlfriend fondly and enjoy when she calls to catch up. But after what transpired in her home, there was no going back to how things were. At the time, no one knew what my brother heard that fateful day that sent him fleeing. His girlfriend was the only one who could have known, but she didn't believe him and even made fun of his belief in our supernatural troubles but she would soon find out. It was almost dinner time at her house one night. Her little brother was off playing with a neighbor so they knew his bedroom was empty. But when their mother walked by, she heard footsteps echoing from behind the closed door, as if walking in circles. Perhaps wisely, she attempted to ignore it at first but was unable to and moved to press her ear against the door. An abrupt silence came over her. Shaken, she tried dismissing it, but a crushing migraine left her tossing and turning in bed that night, unable to sleep until exhaustion finally prevailed. But the brief respite only led to fresh torment in the shape of nightmares. 
when she shared her nightmarish visions over breakfast the following morning. They aligned perfectly with our home's ongoing incidents. In the dream, she checked on her slumbering boy, only to spot a figure perched at the foot of his bed, smiling coldly back at her. A man in a harlequin costume putting a single finger to his lips to shush her. Awaking near dawn, she rushed to her son, finding the room unnaturally icy, and the poor boy shivering, mumbling fretfully, until she instructed him to squeeze into his sister's bunk bed. Returning to collect some warm covers, she noticed all three family cats stationed in the middle of the yard staring at the sky. She called them inside, but the animals remained motionless, following something along the roof. In the car window's reflection, she too caught a glimpse of a shape hunched there matching the jester's form. She desperately tried writing it all off as bad dreams and stress headaches, but in two days' time, something occurred that forever changed their lives. Her youngest, nearly seven, was finishing up her evening bath when an unseen figure entered the bathroom. Assuming it was one of her family members, she called out, requesting her privacy. But this imposing presence remained lurking behind the shower curtain. Backlit, she perceived only a blurred, towering form, with a missing a leg that suddenly elicited a blood-curdling scream as it lunged towards her. Luckily, her father came running, grappling to calm his hysterical child, who was positive something had scratched her. Out in the hall, he glimpsed a figure vanish into his son's room. He followed, spotting a doll-sized silhouette scramble under the bed. The rest of the family crowded into the cramped space, helping lift the frame to search every nook and cranny to no avail, except for a tiny crevice in the wall, too small for anything but a mouse. When my brother's girlfriend frantically recounted these events to my brother, his inquiries regarding the attacker's missing appendage made the girlfriend's mother snap. She snatched the phone away and demanded he never again contact her daughter or set foot on their property. My brother tried to explain that he could help, that he understood how to stop it, but she refused. And that poor girl, to this day, though now fully grown, retains a mild stutter that the family still blames on my brother. We know it wasn't their last encounter with the entity, likely taking refuge there after our attempted eviction, but they have never shared any further details with us. If, by some twist of fate, this family ever comes across our account, we wish to deeply apologize for all they have endured and continue experiencing, extending our offer to finally help if they would allow it. Should any new details around these stories emerge, please know, our community will be the first we share them with. <laughs>